What's up, everybody? Got a message here from our sponsor, Himalaya. I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app. It has best-in-class user interface, uh, user experience. Even though they've only been around for three months, they have tons of unique features like episode and channel playlist and chip tip jar with new features being added every week. Uh, You can find Himalaya in the app or Google Play Store to download. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. So uh, we're going to be on there um, soon, if not now. I don't know. You can go check that out. That's Himalaya. And you can find them on the App Store. All right, what's up, everybody? And welcome to episode number 118 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Monday, November 26, 2018. My name is Josh Cannon. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. We are filming on a weird ass schedule now because of we're Mike's shooting job. i mean we're recording we're not really filming anything yeah you know i felt weird about saying filming too and in the past <laughs> i would have just corrected myself on the spot but i'm trying to learn this confidence thing i'm trying, yeah. to, I'm trying to just stick with whatever i throw out there you know like no matter if it's like incorrect right or inaccurate because i okay. feel like if you just stick with it you know, it's barely going, well, well, actually, what I mean was, um, well, because we're not technically, um, and then, like, you look like more of a bumbling idiot that way than if you had just confidently stuck with, yes, we are filming today, that is my <laughs> power word, and I will go forward with my conversation. But, yes, as I was saying, we are recording today on a Monday, a rainy Monday over where I live in old Jacksonville, Florida, um... Because uh, Mike's got a crazy work schedule. And I have all new gigs, as I mentioned last week. I'm a karaoke DJ, and as of last week, I've acquired all new gigs, except for my Friday uh, boot rack gig at the gay bar. But besides that, I am mm-hmm. in all new different places yeah. with different time frames. So here we are on a Monday. Who knows when you people will actually listen to it. Uh, how you doing, Mike? Doing good, doing fine. Um, Besides wanna... being pressed for time. <laughs> yeah, other than that, you know, that's the only thing, you know, because I was not expecting to be so pressed for time, folks, because uh, I was set up to go to work at two in the afternoon, but then work called me and they're like, uh, can you come in at one today? And then I'm like, yeah. And so now I'm like, <laughs> now I'm behind the eight ball right now. So. Uh, I'm 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 doing that whole thing where you know like you're pre- I'm feeling like the rabbit in Alice in Wonderland, you know, <laughs> just manic all over the place right now. Yeah, so, you've never been you've never been the rushed one for these podcasts. It's always no. been me. Yeah, how's it feel, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> Not very good. I know. Okay. All right. So, so what we're talking about today? is uh the book Michelle Remembers which is written by Lawrence Pazder and Michelle Smith and this is a book that is notorious and infamous because in a lot of ways it started satanic panic and it also has a absolutely horrific fallout uh in terms of its impact because it really did spark the whole satanic ritual abuse thing that went uh, crazy and started uh, burning like wildfire in the 1980s now, and beyond. 
My question is, when you say that it started the whole satanic panic thing, like, I'm wondering to myself, like, was this a book that, like, once it came out and got a little bit of notoriety, like, every church in America to their congregation was like, you need to go out and, and, and read this book Michelle remembers. Possibly. Yeah. You know? And and everyone went out and read it, and they're like, "Oh my God, dead babies and cats!" Like, yep. I wonder if that was like what. That's probably pretty close to it. That's a lot what of I these, envision in my head when I think. And of a like, lot of these individuals, they were already looking for some reason to have outrage or something to s- proof uh, that Satan was among us, and this was that proof. Yeah, because, I mean, as we saw in the Geraldo special, people are, are fearful of things they don't understand. So when you're able to put a, a nice little label on everything you don't understand as, as evil and Satan, which is the opposite of the thing that you believe in, it's um it puts it in a nice little box, you know, with a nice little yeah. bow on top. So, so apparently this book did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I read the book. Mike, so did I. Mike apparently and read the book. I don't know if I we believe gotta, it's him. A tr- <laughs> but he supposedly it's, it's did. A, it's, a, it's a trigger. Uh, first off, folks, trigger warning. Like, we're going to be talking about a lot of fucked up shit in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, for, for, <laughs> for this book being as challenged as it is, like, the validity, um, even still, like, even if it was just a work of fiction... There's some pretty fucked up material in this book that they yes. go in detail about. And I mean, yeah, there's a lot of books out there that like go into a lot of detail because it's just words and you're creating the image in your head. So it's not like they have to worry about getting an NC-17 rating slapped on their book or anything. But yeah, I mean, it's like everything you wouldn't want to like think about in your head with the, you know, things that are sacred like children and yeah, pretty much like shits all over that. Sometimes quite literally. Yeah. Rape, murder. Which I mean the- proto-human centipede, <laughs> surgical alterations, cats getting mutilated, dead baby mutilation, therapists. or live baby mutilation, therapists. Yeah, there's that too. That's kind of scary. Who are really, and the therapist who's really full of himself. Like, I think the guy loves himself because there's a lot of bits in the book where he's just patting himself on the back or talking about how, you know, he's a manly man. Yeah, I know. All those long descriptions <laughs> of um, Lawrence Paz- Pazder or whatever, the therapist yeah. in the book, like all those long, you know, uh-huh. descriptions that describe his everything down to his fucking ascots i think he i think he he personally wrote those about himself <laughs> exactly he was just looking in the mirror and he was like uh-huh. i am just describing what i see so michelle remembers was written by lawrence pastor and it was published in november of 1980 and it was billed as a true story in the book pastor a psychiatrist from victoria bc canada documented his therapy with an adult patient named michelle smith who, while under his care, recovered repressed memories of horrifying sexual abuse in her childhood in Victoria in the 1950s. Under hypnosis, Michelle recalled strange rituals, many occurring in a basement room and in a cemetery, involving knives, masochism, rape, and murder. 
At one point, Michelle said that she was bundled into a car with the corpse of a dead victim of the Satanists, and the car was purposely crashed. She also claimed she endured 81 straight days of abuse in a marathon mega-ritual in which the cultist summoned Satan himself. And Michelle fingered her mother as one of the instigators of the abuse. And her mother also died long before this book was published. She died in 1964. Now, this book was a bestseller. It was a huge success. Uh, I think it was also the right time for this kind of book, because before this you had The Amnival Horror, which was another based-on-a-true-story supernatural novel that was massively popular. So there was already a demand for this type of storytelling or this type of book. And then you throw on a psychiatrist and you're like, oh, it's real. There's actual photographs of the actual person and the psychiatrist and so on and so forth. And they actually go to the Vatican or, or somewhere. I, I believe they or maybe it wasn't the Vatican, but it was no, definitely it, it somewhere. Was, no, it was the Vatican. Oh, it was the Vatican. Yeah. yeah. So they go to the Vatican and. All of this and so on and so forth, and just trying to add some validity to uh, this this particular uh, case. And a lot of people bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And there were a lot of people who wanted to believe it. And a lot of them were conservative Christians. I mean, I I believed it until... I started reading some of the debunking stuff and I didn't believe it at all. Even when, even before I even started reading the debunking stuff, because it's just too out there. And I mean, there's stuff like, Oh, the cultists, like they, they, they like remove fingers and stuff like that. It goes like the middle finger. And there really weren't anybody out there that had no middle finger. You know, that if you look up the records and stuff like that and, and it was just, and it was just one of those things. It, that's just a very little bit of it, but the whole stuff where it's like she was abused so badly, uh, she was left to starve and fed bugs and worms, and and all this other horrible shit was done to her. If this was real, she would have died at that age. The the, the kid would have just died. And I'll get more into that later when I get to the debunking uh, part of 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 the podcast. I'll just like uh, like say my recollections of the book. Now, first of all, like so we were supposed to do a satanic panic episode like a long ass time ago, <laughs> and so I've had this fucking book in my bathroom for like <laughs> more than half a year. And I would say it probably might have scared the shit out of you at times, it, right? It, you know what, Mike? It, it really did. and <laughs> Which was not always a bad thing, you know, as as some may be able to relate to having bathroom troubles. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Secure for... Michelle remembers. Uh, the I, cure for constipation. I, it just... <laughs> the book, Every I try to read a, a chapter or two a, a day, you know, when I... Mm-hmm. You know, be on the crapper, and uh, sorry if that's too much information for some people, but um, that is a good time to read books. By the way, if you ever want to knock out a book, like put it in the bathroom, man. You'll read that. You'll 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 read that. Uh, you'll you'll get through it. Um, so like, I I I got to like probably like chapter ten or eleven or twelve, 
First of all, it's a very boring book. Yes, believe it or it not. Is. Uh, for for a book that that does at points go into such graphic crazy detail, it it's padded it by basically this Michelle lady is starting to get rashes and she's starting to have like physical manifestations of something, you know. And uh-huh. so she goes to this therapist, Dr. Lauren, Lauren Lawrence Pazder, uh-huh. and she he starts putting her into uh kind of therapy sessions and she the whole time she's all like and 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 this is why I feel like they spent too much time on uh, and these are like transcripts from tapes you know he recorded everything and you know typed out all the transcripts and that's another and thing that made me uh leery of it is yeah they're transcripts but those could be doctored those could be altered there could be stuff that could be removed there could be stuff that could be put in there for all I know. I mean, to this day, I don't think the trans, the actual audio tapes are even available to the public. So for all we know, she could have said something similar, but some of the other stuff that's being said in the book that's according, that actually is supposed to be real transcripts might just be made up by the offer. Yeah, I mean, you know, that could be like a marketing gimmick at this point to just say, uh, oh, it's 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 based on transcripts from something and then just like literally make up whatever fictional yeah. thing you want and then just say it's based on transcripts and then never re- if you don't have the transcripts or the tapes rather to release that the transcripts are based off of. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you kind of have to take it in faith, much like you do Christianity, uh-huh. uh, you know, like it's. The, the words in red in the Bible, those are direct words mm-hmm. from Jesus. So says the person who wrote it, who it was interpreted <laughs> by, yeah. you know, through the guy who was writing it. You know, God said these words and then Matthew, Mark or Luke or John wrote them down. Yeah. And as a believer, you have to just be like, yep, yeah, well, that's what Jesus said, because they said that's what he said. And you just have to have faith. It's kind of the same thing with this book, you uh-huh. know. It's kind of like one of those things where, like, if you go in already believing in this shit, it's just going to be like, see? See there? See, I told you. Yeah. Satan is real. But if you don't believe it, uh, you're probably just going to be like, well, wait a second. How'd that happen? What about this? The- and, and I mean, I'm a guy who, yeah, I do tend to, like, when it comes to UFOs or ghosts and stuff, I have an open mind. But with this kind of thing... As I, the further I got into the book, the more and more I was like, bullshit. <laughs> this, is, this is bullshit. Come on, give me a break. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Um, the only thing that made me... This was my interpretation of the book. I So, to finish where I was leaving off at, Michelle starts going into this, uh, this therapy session with this Dr. Lawrence guy, and... She's constantly, like, hooked on the fact that there's just something I've got to tell you, but it's it's burning up inside of me, and I fr- am afraid if I show you who it what it really is, then I'm going to fall into darkness forever, and, and I'll never be able to find my way out again. And it literally goes on and yeah. on with her saying shit like that, and it's uh-huh. like, shut the fuck up and get to the point! <laughs> it's like god you're just getting blue balls yeah exactly right? multiple chapters it, you know just just blue balls and I, I thought it was funny where she she uh when she finally has the day where she's gonna reveal what happens what what happened to her she shows up in all black yeah she shows up to the office wearing fucking black like an emo 
like an emo chick or something, or she's going to a funeral. Like she's and in, her demeanor is different. I'm like, oh come on, that is just th- th- that didn't. It's ve- yeah, it's very melodramatic. <laughs> you know, like if you're going to do something like that, why would you necessarily wear all black? I mean, anyway, you know. So then. <laughs> So she's she's just bitching and moaning and 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 going on about how I just I want to tell you but it's going to I'm going to fall into darkness and it's like literally like a whole chapter of her just like babbling on about how she and, and then the psychiatrist be like it's okay yeah, it's all right yeah, take your time exactly <laughs> So that shit was And you're go- reading the book and you're like no I don't want to take any more time Yeah I, I seriously was losing my patience <laughs> with with this with this therapist So then <laughs> she finally gets into her regressions and you know there's obviously some fucked up stuff going on and see this is this is where I took the book so she starts going into her regressions and she's a little girl probably around like four or five years old yeah five five yeah that's what I thought apparently her mother is a part of some kind of satanic cult and in one of the first scenes I remember in the book, they like put her on this white thing. And, and, and since she's, you know, in little girl mode, she's like talking like this. And she's yeah. like, the, uh. the bad men, they put me on the white thing. And then they blah, blah, blah. And, you know, obviously it's a book, so I didn't hear her voice. But that, like, she literally is. Can you imagine an audiobook? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then Malachi comes in. Open up that butthole. Malachi's coming in. <laughs> And the guy's name is Malachi, too. Like, I mean, that's the most cliched, evil, cultist uh, name out there. I thought they could have I thought they could have done worse. They could have named him, like, Blaze or, like, Diablo no, or something. No, no, but really, when you think about it, Malachi at the time was, like, really, the, like, the, the really cliched one. I mean, there was, a, there was a member of the congregation and Children of the Corn that was named Malachi. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, 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 since I haven't seen, like, the thousands of Upon thousands of movies that you have, I I forget. well, it's also a book too. It's a short story by Stephen King. Yeah, your mom's a short story by Stephen King. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> oh damn it! I fucked it up again. I can never get your mom jokes down right. <laughs> oh, I think that'd be kind of cool. Um. So anyway, um. So that uh, so she's describing all these and see this is this is why I took it kind of at, is this the one where they stuck sticks in her or something yeah so they and then uh, kept pointing her in different directions No, it wasn't the, the pointing hadn't started yet so they stick her on this white thing which is i'm guessing some kind of altar and they're sticking like sticks in her ass or some kind of round yeah. thing in her vagina mm. and asshole I was, we told you people a trigger warning i mean this gets pretty fucking graphic even if it is fiction and they like they're always smearing shit on her at any given time yeah. in this book they're always smearing her with blood, blood, shit, shit, whatever. Um, so they're doing that to her. They did like half of her body. It was like half of her body was like blood and shit and cum and whatever the fuck else. Yeah, and, then- and pretty much any time this kind of stuff would happen, uh, she would then go into like a half a chapter, just basically describing how, ooh, it's so gross, I hate it. I just hate it. I wish it would all go away. Where's my mommy at? My mom went and it's like, okay, all right, you know, like, let's keep the story moving along here. But again, if you're to believe this, then these are based off, you know, tra- uh, 
transcripts from audio tapes, so it's kind of like, oh, you're... It just makes for a really frustrating read, though. Yeah, because frustrating it's so is a good fractured. way to describe it. Yeah. It's so fractured because there will be moments where you have some really vimid... Uh, vimid? A vi- vivid vimage. imagery. A vivid image. A vimage. <laughs> some, re- <laughs> some really vivid imagery, and it's usually nothing to do with the transcripts. It's the stuff that comes after one bit of the transcript where they add more context to it. And that's usually some of them that that delivers the most vivid imagery is where it gives you more of a mental picture of what's going on. And those can be pretty effective. I mean, cultists going around uh, uh, tearing up uh, kittens with their bare hands and teeth and pouring blood all over this the statue of Satan and or this one where she gets locked uh, she gets buried um basically buried alive if you think about it. she gets put in a, in a coffin yeah we're skipping and they we're, throw, we're skipping ahead Mike we're skipping ahead I know we are but I'm I'm just saying like that's I'm just making men, I'm giving mentions of uh, the vivid imagery and those are all us- ones that are added after the fact it's not the transcript stuff where she's like mommy and, uh, and all this other stuff that's that's pretty I don't know. Yeah, so so that's pretty bland. That's happening. But you know, with these real spicy, like, okay, child sacrifice, whatever, child uh child molestation. Molestation, these real like uh scandalous things that are going on in in, in the book. It's like they gotta dilute it with this uh, you know, her coming out of the therapy session and Pazder being like, you know, um, you know, what do you think about that? And blah, blah, blah. And her just being like, I just don't know because it's so dark and there's a dark hole and I'm falling in it. And I thought it was just so weird and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, okay, all right. You know, that's cool for a little bit, but you've gone on eight paragraphs now with this. So it's kind of like, you know, let's, let's get back <laughs> to the crazy Satanist stuff. That's what, I mean, okay. That's like going to see fucking like Slayer and there's like the the opening act is like fucking uh like like joy electric some christian synth pop band and they're playing for <laughs> they're playing for like three and a half hours and it's like okay yes normally you're a pretty decent band but i'm here to see the satan stuff so can you please uh, fuck off with the three and a half hour set list you know i want to hear some raining blood you know like i want to hear south of heaven um so that that's kind of how this book is because i went in mike didn't really tell me much about the book he just said it started the whole satanic panic epidemic so i was thinking in my mind that this lady was going to go into this therapist office and she was like going to awaken this inner demon that is possessing her and Uh and she was going to start like acting crazy and you know, no. doing crazy shit and blah blah blah, and they were gonna have to get her. There's crazy shit in the book, but not not in her memories. Not in that apparently. Not not in that instance. Yeah. So that's what I thought was going to happen, and so I'm like reading the book with this anticipation that any minute it, the book's gonna say. Then Michelle started speaking in a very deep voice, and she started slashing at the couch and. You know, Doctor Pazder became a frightened, and I I thought at any minute like that that was gonna happen, and then it like just it just never happened. It, it was just no. And then when I like got through the book, I was like, really, like that. But Satan is in there though. It, he he's in there in the form of her memories that were based <laughs> off tapes 
that no one has heard. And, and he speaks in rhymes for some reason. Horrible, horrible rhymes. <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, as the book goes on, she re- recalls some more stuff. There's another scene she recalls, and this sticks out in my mind about the book. There's another scene where what I can only... The lump? Again, they're describing everything from the perspective of a five-year-old, so you kind of have to almost surmise your own uh, meaning of what's going on in any given situation that she describes because she describes like a five-year-old. So I'm going to assume that they're at some kind of satanic soiree at... I thought it was at her house. At Yeah, at the mother's house. I was just about to say that. Yeah. They're at some kind of like satanic potluck at, at the mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> and the sa- what kind of food would they bring to the satanic potluck? Uh, I don't know. Like, you know, you know, for Halloween, how there's like recipes to make gummy eyeballs and spooky spiders, but it's made out of raisins and shit. Like, I'd imagine this, this is real spiders and real eyeballs. Well, no, I imagine they would do the same thing. It would be like raisin spiders and spooky gummy eyeballs, you know, but it's <laughs> Satan, you know, it's evil. Because, you know, you kind of got to kill people to get real eyeballs. So that and, and, and well, they've already been killing people. Right. As, as, uh, according to the established book, according, by the book, according to the book, they've been killing people. But in real life, when you, when you kill someone, you know, yeah, moral, moral compass out the window. If you're, you know, whatever, you're still going to go to jail for a long time. And that's something most people want to avoid. So I don't. No, but they're above the law. Remember, the 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 cops are so stupid in this book. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They, they buy the most. Uh, basic of explanations for uh, things like a car crash and so on and so forth. Well, Mike, you got to remember these people were white, so the cops, you know, they just kind of <laughs> cops were like, "Oh, you, 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 uh, you say that the uh, car just lost control and it exploded, and there's a dead body back there, and some little girl who has smoke inhalation <laughs> poisoning. Well, you appear to be a white man, so uh, have a good day, sir. Yeah, no, just kidding. That's um." <laughs> Uh, that's that's the white privilege for you right there, folks. Um, no, that was that was just a joke. Calm the fuck down, everybody. That so was a joke. The lump. Right, let, is... me, let me get to that, Mike. God damn it, I'm getting to that. So, <laughs> you, you brought up uh, the raisin spiders and the eyeballs, or maybe I did. I got off track. You did. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Um, but I brought up. I asked you, so it it's yeah. Yeah. I so, got you off so track. It's, part, it's my fault. Blame. Yes. We're sharing the blame, much like we share custody of our bastard child that we don't talk about on the podcast that me and Mike somehow had together. And that's how we really met. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. It's just been a long you mean time. Red? What? <laughs> Bread? Isn't his name Red? What, our bastard stepchild? Yeah. Red? Red. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what you call him. He's living with you now. You got full fucking custody. <laughs> you animal. Right. Uh, so anyway, so they're at this satanic potluck at the mom's house. Michelle's mother, by the way, uh, per her recollections, is a horrible, horrible lady. Michelle's mother, as we learned in the Geraldo special previ- in the previous podcast, is apparently a breeder. She, from what I understand, Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears as though she had Michelle just to sacrifice her to the Satanists. So... I, I get to tie in the Geraldo I, I special. That, I think that I think that's part of it for sure. Um, but what makes this uh, whole book 
even more uh, convoluted is that they have these other children that are already indoctrinated into the cult from birth. And for some reason, Michelle is the one that's being used to for the sacrifice. And and I, and it doesn't make much sense because it's like, well, you already have these kids who are already indoctrinated into the satanic cult from the beginning. They would be willing to just sacrifice themselves to Satan, whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, the other kids in the story, because it mainly focuses on Michelle, but yeah. during all these satanic rituals that are going on, like all these kids just come into the scene out of nowhere. I don't know where they yeah. came from. I don't know who they belong to, but... <clears throat> Yeah, like there's just random kids at some point who are all happily dancing around in in honor of Satan's light or darkness or whatever. Yeah. And Michelle's like the outlier who's not digging it. But for most uh-huh. of the book, or for at least half the book, it's just Michelle. So mm-hmm. anyway, we are back at this satanic potluck. Say, uh, Michelle's mom, for all intents and purposes, is a piece of shit, neglectful mother who has, you know could give zero fucks about her daughter and they're all apparently drinking and doing drugs and whatever and you know michelle's describing that they're laughing crazily and acting wild and then she sees her mom on some chair passed out and in her description michelle's description she sees a white lump under her mom's dress around her crotchal area and uh, she sees that the lump has shoes that are sticking out, I guess, underneath. She calls them red shoes. Yeah, underneath the dress. Michelle feels like her mom is being attacked, and she hates the lump. And she takes uh, something, like a lamp or something, and she, she begins to smash the lump until blood starts coming out. Um, seeping through the dress, coming down the mother's legs, whatever. And, uh, you know, the Satanists really liked that. They thought that was great that she did that because I guess it was like, oh, that's a pretty evil thing to do, which is kind of like what we're about. So good for you, Michelle. Um, and, and to this day, um, what I think, I think the lump, was they I think they were having like a sex orgy and there was some woman like you know giving Michelle's mom some uh some some oral pleasures so uh, actually what it was from what I looked into uh according to uh, another person who read the book cuz I couldn't figure it out either cuz it was just child speak so it was garbled and didn't make any sense cuz all I just hear is the red shoes and she kept repeating that over and over again and Originally, initially, I thought, like, oh, red shoes, like red hooves, <laughs> like it's a devil baby. <laughs> no, that's not really where, where they, what it was. I mean, you could, I mean, they could have went there, uh, easily. Maybe they thought that was too silly for this already, uh, absurd, uh, book. So, from what I've gathered, it was a, a dead body, I think. It was like a dead, uh, like a, a woman. Who I think the same woman that would that she saw in the car when it when it was uh, intentionally crashed and lit on fire. Well, why was the lump under the mother's dress? 
I have no idea. See, that's the thing. I, they don't really explain that very well. I feel like it was an alive person who was like going down on her mother. So that could have been it. But then the red shoes, like, why would you see the red shoes sticking out like that? Well, because like, like okay, if the mother, I hate to get graphic here. If the mother's sitting in a chair and you're going to. No, I know what it's like. I, I, I'm i just saying like the way that she was describing it, it was like they were sticking out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Her almost like you'd have to be almost like you'd be like a like a child. Like you'd have to be very short, you know, to be under the yeah. dress and the, only the shoes being on the ground. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But I still feel like because because then the lump is is like after apparently Michelle kills the lump after beating it over the head with the lamp. And then the next thing, you know. Uh, Malachi's throwing Michelle in a car and she's throwing the lump in a car, which is now, I guess, a woman. It sounds like, yeah. it sounds like when, whenever you have a weird ass dream and, and, you know, oh, well, it, it was, it was a lump and, and then it became a, a woman and it was you, but it wasn't really you. Yeah. It was, yeah. you know, it, it's like, this is how it's starting to sound. Uh-huh. And I guess they put the car in like neutral or something and they just let the car roll down some hill and the dead body lump woman is up front, and I guess Michelle's in the back. And I guess they were just going to kill her right then at that point, even though they had so much more satanic ritual to do with her. I guess they were just going to uh, initially maybe like, well, fuck it. You know, she killed this lady, and now let's just kill them both and have another one to sack. I don't fucking know, but anyway. Maybe they thought, like, she was no longer pure or yeah, something. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, but one disturbing, again, description is when the car crashes at the bottom of the hill, the dead body lady up front, uh, the car, uh, there's so much force that her neck snaps around to where... Her body's still facing forward, mm -hmm. but her head is looking at Michelle in the back seat because her neck breaks or whatever, and her head. Yep. And now I just thought that was like, oh god, what a ghastly fucking description of something like. Yeah. Well, there's actually some truth to that. Uh, Michelle actually did see uh, the aftermath of a horrific car accident when she was a kid, around the same time, and an actual. Uh, in actuality. So what she saw was, you know, the, the just horrible, like, you know, entrails spilling out and stuff like that. And so her parents, uh, her, her father is to, was actually interviewed and he was talking about it and he was like, you know, that's why she was, uh, the, he, he definitely does believe that this particular instance was just an example of that repressed memory coming to the surface. Um, it wasn't, didn't happen exactly like that but it was an, a car accident and it was a, a dead body and it, it and he remembered uh young michelle just screaming in terror and just being uh having a really hard time dealing with that so and that's kind of a theme here when you look into research it you kind of and you kind of think about things some more she tends to kind of talk about a lot of sexual stuff so i think a lot of that is like sexual repression you know uh, uh that happens a lot in in psychiatric uh evaluations you know people who have repressed sexual uh energy or feelings or something that comes out in 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 the sessions i also feel that the the stuff where she's talking about her mom and how 
she, I was calling for her, but she wasn't looking at me and she didn't see me. That's the type of separation anxiety type stuff that happens like when, you know, you your your mother is is in the in the store and you ran off and you're try you're trying to find her, you find her again, but she's looking for you, but she's so focused on looking for you that she doesn't see that you're right there. And a kid doesn't really know how to uh decipher that. A kid's just going to interpret that as the mom doesn't doesn't like them or the mom doesn't care or the mom's ignoring them. So I think that that was another aspect of some of the memories that she had. When you when you read things about like when she's talking about how like I would go inside the bear, you know, or something. And it's like, this is clearly a, a lady who has some serious issues. And I do not feel that Pazder, if this is actually how he handled the transcripts, I don't think he did it. He handled it properly at all. What do you think he should have done differently? I think he should have. If this uh, is true. I, I think he should have definitely... Uh, Explain more to her that this is more fabrication. Like, I do believe that you did have some traumatic events that happened to you in your childhood, but I believe that you're embellishing some of these things. And, but it's one of those things, whatever helps you get over it. But I don't believe that this is all reality and like, oh, yeah, it was the devil and there's a Satan, a satanic cult and everything. I mean, I don't know much about being a therapist, but like, what, where, where is the line to where, as a therapist, it is healthy for you to, or it, it is your responsibility to tell the patient, uh, hey, maybe the, you know, maybe these things didn't quite happen as you remembered you were a kid, or. Or is that irresponsible as a therapist to do? See, that's a, that's an interesting question. I think that more therapy. I think he should have made it more of an attempt to do that because the damage that can be caused by having your patient pour out all of this stuff and then believe it all. I mean that that's and you're believing it too. I mean that that kind of you know that can and I also think he also wanted to get in her pants. So I think that's another part of this. Well, they they ended up uh, getting married. Tell, so they ended up getting married. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he did. Maybe he initially didn't want to get in her pants, but you know, I mean, the dude was like, "Well, I mean, come on, like the whole thing where you can lay on my, you know, uh, uh, if you need to feel more safe, you can, you know, cuddle up with me." Oh, here's my jacket you can take with you while I'm on vacation. You know, it's like... Yeah, and oh, he was, yeah, was clearly... That to me... And he was married at the time. That to me wasn't as big of a thing, all the all that shit. What, 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 what was more telling to me was his, um, his insistence on putting off things with his family, his wife, yeah. and, to spend more and more time uh-huh. with his patient. All in the name of fourteen months. Yeah, all over six hundred hours. All in the name of well, well, this could be big for me in my career if I document this and report it in the journals, the various psychology journals. This could be big. This could be a breakthrough for my career. And I don't know. Uh, it's like really. I mean, this is just some lady recalling something off off the top of her head. You know. I mean, it's like. Some people are really good at just making shit up. 
and you're just gonna like and michelle herself even said later in the book she's like oh man like I think I might just be making all of this up. Like she even admits that. Yeah, I and mean, it's like, yeah, it's not like Christianity <laughs> is like you know Christianity, Satan, demon possession. It's not like all that's like new. I mean, that's been no. that's been around for thousands of years. I mean, it's it's not like there was no reference points or movies or books where she uh-huh. could have been programmed with that information in her head and then taken that information, and especially if she grew yeah. up religious. Well, so, and, and if she saw some films like Rosemary's Baby or something, which this shares a lot of similarities with. Um, but anyway, or so, read the book. So, so as the book goes on, um, you, there's a healthy fucking helping of the going back at, or regressing out of the session and uh, Michelle talking to Pazder. And those are, those are easily the most boring parts of the book. Yes. And, um, then we get into some further regression, and I mean, there's stuff like there's there, like I was saying earlier, proto-human centipede. Yeah, because there's like people who were sewed together. Mike, you like totally interrupted surgeon. me. I was like about to say I'm something, so sorry. and you just totally. I'm so me. sorry. You fucking, so sorry. you're a dak. You're a real dak. <laughs> dak. You're a dak. Yeah, you're a dak. <laughs> fucking dak. Don't interrupt me. I have stuff to say. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Um, but no, there's like, uh, there's, there's, so I'm just going to kind of try to recollect the uh, satanic scenes, if you will, the, the Michelle remember part, the meat and potatoes, the whole reason we're all here kind of part. Uh, because everything else in the book is literally just uh, a priest comes in at some point, but doesn't really do anything that special. There's a bench placed in the cathedral that has some satanic imagery on it that mysteriously got there at one point. They burned the bench. Which I find hilarious. It's like, that just seems like, oh, that's how they let her know that they're still there and they're still, you know, powerful and and they still have a presence. Just put a bench there. Yeah, and I mean, I know it's, like, easy to, like, trivialize something like that, but honestly, though, like, if if you were going through that kind of uh, intense kind of regression and you saw anything, no matter what it was, if it if it if it triggered like yeah. that, then then it you know. But I don't even know if the bench even was real. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't even know if this whole book was real. But so anyway, one of her other uh, thoughts or re- rem- remembrances or whatever is she is with this woman who is not her mother, and this woman is apparently pure evil. This woman, just like the creepy chick from uh, the Omen. Yeah. Who was uh, the the uh, caretaker for Damien. Sure, I haven't seen that movie, but I will assume that that is an accurate description of this woman. Um, she is with Michelle, and this bitch, like, just... Uh, she just tortures her, basically. And I, She's also a nurse? Yeah. And really, what it sounds to me like what she's doing is she's trying to break Michelle. She's trying to break her spirit. She's trying to break her down to where she can be controlled. She... Uh, they they have these things where they're taking her to the graveyard. There's a scene where they're taken to a graveyard. They actually remove a uh, there's like a tomb in the ground, yeah. And they remove the tomb stone, and they actually throw her in the grave. and And they're talking about how she, you know Michelle's describing how there's some sticky, muddy substance at the bottom of the grave, and 
you know, they they just make her do that. They like and they're throwing dead cats at her. Yeah, there's one scene in particular where they start throwing dead cats at her at the bottom of the grave. I mean, dude, the amount of, they they really went overkill with the cats. The um, and the dead babies. The amount of fucking the, baby shit period. that that you have to do to summon Satan in this book. I mean, by the time Satan comes, that motherfucker better be bringing like like reunited beetles, like fucking Jimi Hendrix, <laughs> like like all you can eat steak buffet, fucking water slides. Like this motherfucker better be worth my while. Yeah. You know how many dead Cuz it's an 81 day ritual, it's, folks. There's so much crap that 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 Michelle had to do. She was like locked in a basement at one point. Uh, she, uh, fucking... They, she was locked in cages. They, she was locked in cages. They made her eat her own shit, or she, or she ate, pi or drank piss or something. They made her eat, like, blood and warm guts bugs and bugs and, 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 and shit. Yeah, all yeah. kinds of stuff like that. And there's this sadistic doctor who did surgery on her. And, like, uh, apparently he had also, like, sewn people together to... Uh, I, I found that interesting. Like that was like a one little bit where oh, it's like the human centipede before the human centipede was a thing. Yeah, he and, uh, he 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 dismembered like five different bodies and sewed yeah. them all together into one thing. Which, granted, is pretty brutal if you think about apparently it. Apparently, I mean, someone's vacuuming, so I apologize. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I'll probably my, the noise gate plugin I use will hopefully. Uh, all right. So um. <laughs> so anyway so yeah so he had the proto-human centipede and the same doctor he surgically at attached horns to her head and like a tail and I'm like oh that's pretty fucked up but then then the book just glosses over that it's just like oh it's attached she's thrown in a cage and then she rips them off like no, it's no problem and then yeah that's I it. mean you know the the, you're, you're, this book doesn't really take into account things like disease, infection, uh, no. things that would happen to you if you were to really have gone through all this stuff that, that this little, especially being a little girl where your, your immune system isn't going to be as robust as an adult who has gone no. through a lot more sickness and developed immunities to shit. Um, mm -hmm. she never gets, you know, sick in the book. That's one thing. Actually, I never thought about that until right now. She never gets sick in the book out of all yeah, the, that's what I'm after, yeah. after all the shit they do to her, like shitting on her, making her eat shit, making her eat bugs, putting, you know, weird things in all of her holes. She, she doesn't die of malnutrition or, or, uh, uh, dehydration. Any kind of a, a disease you could have gotten from any yeah. of those things. I mean, the whole time, not not any kind of sickness or anything. But then again, maybe that was Jesus protecting her with his shield of of grace. Because you have this other thing in the, in the book where all of a sudden Jesus and like the uh, Mary, Virgin Mary, and Michael the Archangel start showing up. But the way that it's written makes them seem kind of uh, like dicks. Because it's like, oh, no, you know, we'll help you, but, like, you need to d go through this so, you know, we can we can win the battle or whatever or some other fucking bullshit. And it's like, 
really? Does she, this little girl really need to go through all this torture? Well, they're basically saying like you need to you need to go and and what Mike's talking about is a scene later on in the book because basically the whole book is like stuff what I just described is just a bunch of you know that's like the first half and then the last half is just nothing but like the ritual abuse days of abuse and 81 days and all these other you know ridiculous crazy absurd horrible tortures and then there's a bit where they go to the vatican well i was gonna say finally uh apparently lucifer satan or whatever is is actually <laughs> summoned yeah. and um and and then apparently God or the Mother Mary is summoned as well, and um, I I gotta find the uh the whole Satan. This is actually Satan speaks in rhyme. Did you find? Do you so, have the rhyme on there? Yeah, yeah, I have okay, it. Okay, yeah. So they do the ritual. Satan manifests his, himself in the form of a dark, constantly shifting, vaguely humanoid figure in the fire, and that's not a bad idea. That can that's kind of a creepy image. Yeah. And then he opens his mouth and talks and rhymes. <laughs> now this is now get get ready, folks. These are the words of Satan right now. Yes. Out of the fire, a man is born, and he walks. Behind the path is born. It burns out the way. It burns out the way of destruction and decay. You come from fire, and fire and to fire you return. You come from fire. The only way out is to burn. It just sounds like some really shitty lyrics. Or like uh, a really, you know, awful song. I mean, that sounds like something that I would have wrote when I was about like 13 years old, trying to write lyrics <laughs> for my like. No, I know what it is. It's Omar. It's fucking Omar's poetry. Holy shit! Maybe that really is how the devil talks. <laughs> because if Omar, the arsonist, is saying that same kind of like eighth grade level <laughs> dumbassery, then maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe this maybe Satan uh, is just really not good with his prose. No, I, I I could totally see Omar, you know, doing shit like that. So I, what what chapter is that one on? Uh, and I, I'm gonna do it in the voice uh, of Omar. Chapter twenty two. Twenty two. Okay. Um. Okay. Out of the fire, a man is born, and he walks behind the path is born. It burns out the way. It burns out the way of destruction and decay. You come from fire, and fire you return. You come from fire, to only wake out just to burn. <laughs> Look at it, Omar. Look at it. Look at it burn. Look at the flames. <laughs> Fucking virgin. Omar is a virgin. That's all I can tell you about omar <laughs> yeah because uh anyway so yeah so uh you know michelle goes to this like circular room at some point and they keep bringing that shit up which is really annoying because it's like what the fuck are you talking about um and it's apparently this it's where the satanists hang out yeah it's, it's got a it's it's at a circle bed with like six 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 sheets and <laughs> And crap like that. Yeah, it's like it's like some fucking underground convention center for Satanists, apparently, that no one sees, and there's no windows. And and, and if it's a circle, there there are only very few uh, buildings in that and that vicinity that are that shape, and they're historical uh, buildings. So there's not a single building, stone, 
round building in that particular area from where what where these events were supposedly occurring. Well, wasn't it underground? That people don't know about. No, it's actually like apparently they're saying like it it even if it is underground, you have to have like some sort of structure on top. Like it, it's just one of those things that it, it's just, it's just so like. Oh, it's underground, and they have like a bed. I'm like, how the fuck did they get the bed down there? Did they have Satan do that for them? You know, they do a ritual for 81 days, and then you know, hey Satan, can you you know move the the bed down here and the sheets and the, and the fluffy pillows and everything? It remind like what know, we're doing right for now. Orgies. What, what we're doing right now reminds me of like that scene in Clerks where they start talking about plumbing on the Death Star or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and it's like. Yeah, it's funny in that movie because they're talking about a real-life uh, logistical problem in something that is quite clearly I'm just trying a, to be funny. Movie. I don't know. Well, no, uh, you didn't <laughs> let me finish, Mike. Like you always don't let me fucking do. Um, but the, the problem here is this isn't billed as a fictional thing. This is billed as nonfiction. This is billed as, like, this all really happened. So, yeah, you can go into scrutiny about, like, well, how'd they get the bed down there? How'd they do this? Yeah. How'd they do that? And it's not ridiculous at that point because it's like, mm -hmm. well, if this all this really happened, then there's certain things that, like, well, how, like, how do you explain this? How do you explain that? I mean, I know it's yeah. easy to just be, like, mm -hmm. you know, in your made-up story, oh, he did this to me. Oh, it was on the satanic yeah. bed. Oh, it was also in this circle room. Well, I thought you said this was in there. Well, yeah, that was in there too. And it's like, okay, so you have this room that's got You cross examine. You do some cross examination. Yeah, it's like, okay, you got a room that's got a fucking bed, a jungle gym, a spa, a bowling alley. Come on, Michelle. <laughs> I'm starting to think all this stuff isn't in this room. I'm starting to think there is no room. And then they had like a a, a statue of Satan, but it was made out of paper mache. So yeah, they, which that's is another big thing they go on about in the later chapters is they keep Michelle as part of of one of the uh, rituals they're keeping Michelle in this uh paper mache statue of Satan and she's stuck inside this thing like wicker man and I'm just like thinking to myself like uh and it was pointed out in a, a, a blog about this but I also thought this yeah. too it's like dude it's fucking paper mache <laughs> holy shit do you know what paper mache is it's like thin ass fucking paper walls and, and art made from and paper. And they're pouring blood all over it. Like that shit wouldn't last a day. Yeah, like you like like I think of those uh little slidey doors in Asia, you know, the bamboo and like that 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 almost papery substance or, or material in but in the you know what I'm talking about, those slidey Asian doors. Uh -huh. Like to me that's like paper mache, you know, in in practice as like some kind of a you know, wall type thing or whatever. But you think yeah. like a whole structure made out of this shit. And oh, by the way, at the bottom of this structure, it, there was like a pool of blood and snakes. And uh, Michelle was at, perched at the top of this thing. So I'm guessing there are various compartments inside of uh -huh. this um, paper mache. And yet there are still holes in the compartments for the snakes. Oh, yeah. And there's spiders at one point, too, by the way. There's red spiders that also come out of the blood. And again, it's like, well, where was the blood? Was it in the feet of Satan? Did Satan have like a, a pool-shaped body at the bottom where all this stuff could conveniently collect? Did he have a really bad and grown toenail and was just bleeding out? 
constantly. Now, Mike, you're, you, now you're just projecting your <laughs> own worst fears of ingrown toenails onto Satan paper mache right now. Uh, paper mache Satan. Um, <laughs> paper mache Satan. Which, I mean, if you could... It, I mean, come on, like, it. it's just like... How lame is that? I mean, at least make him out of that creepy ass, like black, like like dominatrix, like latex, like a big make it out of stone, like a big like latex, like horse, you know, demon looking thing. Like I would say, just make it out of stone, stone. like yeah. Um. So yeah, apparent that that'd be funny. Satan shows up and he sees his paper mache and he's just like, nope. <laughs> I can picture Satan being like the Satan in South Park. Oh come on, guys! You couldn't have done a better job than paper mache. Sorry, Satan. It's all we had. You know. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, the paper mache Satan does not topple over. Um, it is is perfectly well preserved and standing there. And then at some point, Michelle's in a cage. Some and they're putting snakes in there. So they're putting snakes in the cage. She says she uh, has to use the bathroom, quote unquote, in one corner of the cage. Um, some lady comes in while she's in the cage in this satanic rec room a- at one point, and she looks beautiful and she makes a nice face at Michelle. Then she turns around and looks back at her and has like a very demonic face, apparently. Um, Michelle, knowing that these Satanists hate crosses and any sign of the cross... But how, how, how did she know that? Well, because there was an earlier scene where she had grabbed a cross. Oh, yeah, by the way, she grabbed a cross which was under the Satanic bed in the Satanic rec room. And <laughs> Why she, the fuck would that be Right, there? and she held it at them, and they all were like... <laughs> they were all like scowling, <laughs> you know, and, and, and hissing and all this other kind of stuff. It, yeah, what... <laughs> What was the janitor cleaning and some cross accidentally fell out of his pocket under the and he knocked it under the bed, you know? Why that would be like a fucking that would be like a Christian church like fucking fellowship hall accidentally having a pentagram. Yeah, accidentally having some like <laughs> pentagram like underneath like the table or something. Or like the Satan the goat the goat head or whatever with all the horns <laughs> and like like why would you have that in a in a, in a Christian church, you know? Like unless it was for educational purposes, but I mean, like, or like garlic in a vampire's uh, uh, bedroom. Yeah, or whatever made-up thing you want to go with. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Michelle see it, it sees the lady becomes terrified. But the thing is, like, how would she know? Like, even if she found that there, how would she know that that had any power or even what that was? Unless she was born with knowledge of what religion is or what that does. And and the book tells that she's not religious. So how the hell does she know anything about that? Yeah, that, that is a good point. Well, whatever the case may be, she found out that, the, that they didn't like the cross. So then what she proceeded to do, again, so disgusting. Um, so she's in the cage. She sees a demon lady. And she thinks, well, they don't like crosses. I'm scared shitless of this lady. She takes a shit with her own shit and hair that she plucks out of her hair. She forms a cross with her hair, <clears throat> and then she takes her shit and encrusts it around her hair cross. Yeah. And the shit hardens, making a shitty cross. Yeah. And uh, literally, literally, and she takes the shitty cross and hides it in her hair because when they 
I guess, wash her down or check her or whatever. They never check her thick hair. So she has her turd cross in her hair. And at that point, I pretty much stopped reading the book. Because you're like, turd cross, no, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you didn't miss much. It was just a lot of the, you know, they went a little bit further into the whole thing. You had the confrontation between good and evil with the Archangel and the Virgin Mary and Jesus. And the the good good triumphs over evil and she gets healed of her wounds and her scars by by uh the power of good and she goes to the vatican so, yeah. and there's that I'm whole gonna thing I'm going to go ahead and read real quickly the last chapter of this book from um the crazy demon lady blogspot which mm -hmm. has been a nice little resource for some info Yes it has um so I'm reading off this kind of verbatim uh give all credit to crazy demon lady at blogspot um so this kind of is a nice summation of the last chapter so she goes full dis disclosure i read the ending of the worst book of the 1980s two weeks ago what i read pissed me off so much that i had to force myself to finish this deconstruction you've been warned the second to last chapter opens with michelle at yet another therapy appointment complaining that she doesn't feel like saying anything this time this got my hopes up I can relate to you, crazy demon lady. Um, but then Dr. Pazner convinces her to start describing her nasty, sordid, pointless ordeals again. Bastard. Back in the impossibly gigantic round room, Michelle is still pinned to the floor in front of a very angry Satan because she refused to give his stupid bone back. The Satanists have tortured her by stuffing paper into her mouth. Where'd they get the paper from? I thought they burned all the Bibles poking some unidentified object in her ears, um, say what, and tearing out one of her fingernails and one of her toenails. I appreciate that having even one nail torn out hurts like hell, but they shouldn't want to finish the job. They're evil villains who live to torture children, after all. <clears throat> after an indeterminate amount of time, after which Michelle is explicitly described as being, quote, on the verge of death, end quote, Though honestly, with the way she's been treated throughout the bulk of this book, I'm amazed it took her this long to get to that verge. The Satanists remove the paper from her mouth, and the, and the uh, stabby implements chopsticks? Stabby implements, whatever. Their fingers? <laughs> uh, particularly sharp carrots? Seriously, what were they poking her with? And let Michelle see how battered and bloody she is so she'll freak out. That's the wrong way to get her to spill the beans uh, on where she put the bone, y'all. Has anyone just tried asking nicely instead of yelling at her and fucking her shit up? But of course you haven't, because Michelle remembers Satanists are irredeemably, irredeemably stupid evil, the whole lot of them. Um, but apparently the cult isn't even going to look for the bone anymore because of her quote-unquote sin and taking it was somehow so unforgivable that she's to be cast out of Satanism forever. After the lovely way they've treated her, I'm sure she's crushed. Anyway, Satan begins the expulsion process by ordering Michelle to state her name and having her trace an X in the dirt to dignify that she's been, quote, crossed out and no longer has an identity or personhood. Michelle mentions that the X doesn't look like an X from where she's lying, but looks like a Christian cross, and she takes delight in her small act of rebellion, which is a nice touch, though if she's in as bad shape as she claims to have been in, I'm not sure she'd have enough energy or even be conscious enough to care. And then they're quoting the book here. I've been crossed out, Michelle cried. He's telling my mom she has to take me back. You have to live with this ugly little one until you can bring me a dutiful son, 
It's your mistake you'll have to pay. I give her back. You can't give her away. Oh, some more rhymy Satan shit for you, God. (laughs) I don't want to live at home, Michelle said, wailing. I don't want to. Dr. Pazder put her head on his shoulder and let her cry. Wait, living at home is worse than living with Satanists? (laughs) I mean... Michelle's mom... Ev- well, because, yeah, her mom is a Satanist, I guess, so that's why she doesn't want to do that, I guess. Michelle's mom evidently sold her, turned her over to them for whatever reason, so I could see Michelle having resentment and trust issues towards her. On the other hand, the people she was living with sexually assaulted her, hacked her yep. up with knives, killed other children in front of her, and force-fed her dead babies on a regular basis. Yes, that happened, That's, that's another thing we book. forgot to mention. They, they really liked killing babies a lot in this book. You'd think that a normal kid would just be so enormously relieved to finally be getting away from those people that the relief would at least temporarily obliterate any negative feelings for the person she was going to live with. Having finished this very important boo-you-suck ceremony, Satan starts (laughs) demanding his bone back again, which is rather unfortunate since Jesus chooses this moment to pop up and put the formerly safely buried bone back in Michelle's hand. Quoting the book again, she goes, uh, or it says, Then she felt a hand on her head, and the touch was ineffably comforting. Look, said a voice, just look there. It was Mummer's son. Yeah, that's what she's calling uh, uh, Mary. Oh, okay. It was Mummer's Mary's son lying on the ground. (laughs) Michelle turned her head painfully and saw the crosses she had drawn in the dirt when Satan had asked her name. Keep your eyes right there, said the voice, and hang on to this. There was something in her hand. She opened it. It was the fragment of bone. Very small, very old, very fragile. She closed her fist about it again and held it safe. And then Satan stopped farting around and forcibly took the bone out of the hand of the dying girl like any villain with half an ounce of common sense would have done long before now. Because it was obvious from the very start that repeatedly shouting at her to give it back wasn't going to do shit. Um, the satanic rites end. Really. She, lo- yeah. she looked over the beast. He was watching from the fire, supervising as his attendants packed the altar implements. Satan himself gathered the bones and wrapped them in the altar cloth. Then he turned. The ranks of high priests and worshippers filed towards him. And as each person approached, he received a hissing shard of fire from Satan's hand. What that, with that, the hordes turned their backs to the altar and began to trudge away. The satanic phantasmagoria had begun again. And through uncomprehending eyes, Michelle saw the marchers pouring around the room, or pouring from the round room. Some legions flowing out over the horizon like flocks of tattered vultures, some sinking into the earth itself. See, this particular aspect, like th- these parts are very, they create some very vivid images. But how the hell is this known knowledge like is he getting this all from these transcripts because it's way too fucking detailed from you know if you ask me to be all from these transcripts that's another reason yeah. why i didn't buy any of this is because it just it, it that reads like a book that reads like a, a work of fiction and so the blog, the blog goes on to say and that's it satan doesn't demand the oh so important bone again He just finished the rites. His followers, some of whom are apparently mole people, get his blessing and leave. I'm referring to the people that sank into the earth itself. 
Like high schoolers when the end of class bell rings. There's no explanation that Satan only has so much time that he's allowed to be in physical form and he's just run out, that the rituals are only effective if they're completed at a certain time, whatever. Everything just abruptly stops for no reason except, I strongly suspect, Michelle was sick of talking about her scary satanic past but couldn't figure out how to end the story. Does anyone yep. else feel cheated? And believe it or not, this wasn't even the chapter that made me want to throw the book across the room in fury. That Because apparently she didn't actually get to the last chapter. She was like too pissed off that she was like, nope, I'm done with this book. Yeah. I don't blame her. I, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head what the ending and chapter was like, but um, it was one of those things that it's just uh, anticlimactic. Because you get to this whole ending, and it's like, oh, it's building up to something, and then it doesn't really go anywhere. It was just like, well, this bone was supposed to be so important, and then it's like, it's not really, and Satan's like, whatever. I don't need the bone. What What is this bone about? I I, I didn't get to that part, apparently. It, it's like some kind of your typical ritual thing. Like, it's supposed to, like, uh, cause more uh, havoc and all this other shit. You know, where did the it's, bone it's, come it's, from? What, what was it from? A animal or a human or? I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it might have been like from some kind of ancient thing or something. You know that type oh, of thing. Yeah. That's why it Naturally. was so old and fragile. Naturally. Um. But anyway, <laughs> this book is. I I, I think uh. Should we do the review or should we do the the, the debunking part first? So let's go with, let's go with the debunking part first here. So this book was a massive success uh, in terms of when it, uh, its sales, and it actually was uh, optioned uh, for a film. In fact, um, Pazder and Smith earned a hundred thousand dollar hardcover advance for it. It was actually first publicized with articles and people in the national... Excuse me, apparently this gives me indigestion. Uh, it was first publicized with articles and people in National Enquirer, which is pretty ironic. Uh, they toured the United States to promote the book in 1980. The book was a huge success, and then it earned Pastor and Smith a $100,000 hardcover advance and $242,000 for paperback rights, royalties, and a potential movie deal. Now, the movie never happened in large part because they were actually sued by the Church of Satan, uh, Anton LaVey's uh, church, because in the first published published version of this book, they name-dropped the Church of Satan. And, and then it, it was kind of like, they were like, it was kind of like libel, you know, because they, exactly. they were talking all kinds of shit. About, yes. it, it portrayed the church in a very unfavorable light. They made them out to be these... Mm -hmm you know, mongrels, blah, 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 and, you know. Yeah. If it, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, that was, he threatened to sue for libel. I guess he didn't actually sue. They eventually just didn't really, you know, one of those things didn't really go through with it. Uh, Pazder was a credentialed psychiatrist and fellow of the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons of Canada. And the book states that its source material therapy tapes were scrutinized. However, questions about the accuracy of the allegations that Michelle remembers were raised shortly after the book was published. Soon after the book's publication, Pazder was forced to withdraw his assertion that it was the Church of Satan that had abused Smith when Anton LaVey, who founded the church years after alleged events that Michelle remembers, threatened to sue for libel. 
The film also never really came to be, and I can see why. How the hell would you film this? This would be like rated NC-17. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was no way you could do this without it being like almost snuff film level stuff. Exactly. So in October of 27, 1980 article in McLean's, Paul Gresco interviewed Smith's father, Jack Proby, who denied the allegations against Smith's mother, Virginia, who died in 1964, and claimed that he could refute all of the allegations in the book. Gresco also interviewed the mother of a childhood friend of Smith who described Smith's mother as a kind and charming woman. He also noted the book failed to make any mention of Smith's two sisters, Cheryl and Tertia, or that Pazer and Smith, both Catholics, had divorced their spouses and married each other. So this is actually a little bit of an interview with uh, Mr. Proby. So he admits he was not the perfect father. It was a difficult marriage, but he's outraged at what Michelle and her psychiatrist have done to the memory of his wife who died in 1963. And this is, this is a article from 1990 uh, from the daily mail, uh, or I think just called the mail. So there was never, it was the worst pack of lies a little girl could ever make up. The book took me four months to read, and I cried all the time. I kept saying to myself, dear God, how could anyone do this to their dead mother? There never was a woman on this earth who worked harder for her daughters. There was no hanky-panky or devil worshipping. I asked my lawyer if I could sue them. He said I would win, but it would cost me $5,000. So instead, I took out a notice of intent against their publisher, which meant if they ever went beyond a literary contract, I would sue. That meant that they couldn't get their movie deal. So there's another reason why they couldn't get the movie deal. But it never would have happened anyway, unless it was like severely censored. So Mr. Proby itemized as examples three specific points where he says Michelle lied. The book says that Michelle said that she had no religious upbringing. She went to church every Sunday with her mothers and sisters. The three of them were confirmed together. Michelle said she was twice poisoned during satanic rites. She was treated for poisoning, but it had nothing to do with devil worship. Once she drank terps and paint mixture while I was cleaning my brushes. Another time she ate shoe polish. Michelle describes a horrible car accident which was relived by the devil worshippers in which Satan himself appears. For what I do recall uh, was us once coming across a fatal crash in our car. We saw two cars smashed together and a woman was lying in the road bleeding to death. Her intestines were hanging out. It was a horrible sight. Michelle started to scream and we could not stop her for ages. Proby's testament is also backed by several independent witnesses. Dr. Andrew, Andrew Galepsi, who was the family doctor, said, I believe it was something she pictured in a lot of conversations with Dr. Pazder and an overactive imagination. I remember her mother was a kindly woman. She died of cancer when Michelle was 14. There were several poison episodes in which the children got into mischief, but they were not serious. The neighbor, Alice Okerstrom, agrees. I dismiss the book as crazy. The mother was a nice, gracious lady. A little girl could not have been tortured without someone hearing. Diana Lockler, whose, president, whose husband was the head of the cancer unit at the hospital, was a close friend of the Proby. She, too, was outraged by the book. Her daughter, Gillian, was Michelle's best friend. Gillian said, Virginia was like a second mother to me. I certainly never had a bad feeling about her. And then you had her first husband, Doug Smith, who was a chartered uh, surveyor, he would not speak to the male directly, but a close friend said he was extremely bitter. Not once during their marriage or the birth of their daughter did Michelle ever mention her experience, which included such hideous psychological torture as being imprisoned in a cage with live snakes and being forced to eat soup, a soup of worms. 
Uh, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police also says that there has never been one prosecution in Victoria for satanic practices. And a Canadian author who's an expert on the cult, Gene Kozakari, said there never was any Satanism in Victoria in the 1950s. The most interesting group there were wife swappers. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the conclusions of the Roman Catholic Church. When the book first appeared, Bishop Remy D. Rue spent many hours interviewing Michelle and listening to tapes of her therapeutic sessions. He then arranged for her to fly to the Vatican to meet Cardinal Sergio Pignadoli, the, uh, the then head of the Secretariat for the Non-Christians. When the book was published in 1977, the bishop wrote in a preface, I do not question that for Michelle the experience was real. In time, we will know how much of it can be validated. It will require prolonged and careful study. In such mysterious matters, hasty conclusions could prove unwise. In the meantime, ritual abuse became a buzz phrase among social workers, who believed that Michelle and her doctor bravely lifted the lid on the practices which had been going on for years without outsiders realizing it. So what does the Roman Catholic Church now believe? Bishop D. Rue's office told us he wants to distance himself from these people. More than 10 years ago, he asked the couple to provide him with details, but they never supplied all the information he required. Now, Dr. Pazer himself admits he is working in areas that are difficult to define. It's an area where if you jump in too quickly, you get hysteria. People start seeing Satanists around every corner. He says Michelle remembers gave victims a voice to be heard and not labeled crazy. We then asked Dr. Pastor, does it matter if it was true or is the fact that Michelle believed it happened to her the most important thing? And this is Pastor's response. Yes, that's right. It is a real experience. If you talk to Michelle today, she will say, that's what I remember. We will leave the question open. For her, it was very real. Every case I hear, I have skepticism. You have to complete a long course of therapy before you can come to conclusions. We are all eager to prove or disprove what happened, but in the end, it doesn't matter. That's really what he said. In the in the end, it doesn't matter. Um, what you no, think. it it uh, wait. Doesn't matter what what uh, people think, or doesn't matter if it happened or not. No, he says we're all eager to prove or disprove what happened, but in the end, it doesn't matter. Uh, no, it completely matters actually, because if it didn't fucking happen, then there's no story. And he totally benefited from this because because he became an expert in in ritual uh, satanic abuse. So he was getting paychecks, and people were coming to his offices. Well, he, he was on some stories. talk show too, and he was on talk shows too. Uh, he and Michelle were actually on Oprah. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah, that's what I thought. I remember reading yeah. about that. So that's another reason why I'm like, okay, this bullshit. Really, something to gain, financial gain. Red flag. So in a 2002 article, uh, also a 1995 book found further inconsistencies in Smith's allegations. The authors found no newspaper record of the car crash that the book describes in the time frame described, despite the fact that the local newspaper reported on all vehicle accidents at the time. Former neighbors, teachers, and friends were interviewed, and yearbooks from Smith's elementary school were, re were reviewed and found no indication of Smith being absent from school or missing for lengthy periods of time including the alleged 81-day non-stop ceremony. Ultimately, the book's offers were unable to find anyone who knew Smith in the 1950s who could corroborate any of the details in her allegations. That's a bombshell right there. Those are records. You can't deny that. Yeah. A 2002 article by Kara Coulahane not only uh, explored the inconsistencies in Smith's allegations, but also their unlikeliness. Among other things, Colahane noted that it seemed unlikely that a sophisticated cult that had secretly existed for generations could be outwitted by a five-year-old. That's that's true. 
and that the cult could hold rituals in the Ross Bay Cemetery unnoticed, given that Smith claimed she was screaming, and given that the Ross Bay Cemetery is surrounded by three sides, on three sides by residential neighborhoods, and that an 81 nonstop ceremony involving hundreds of participants in a massive round room could have gone on in Victoria unnoticed, and that none of Smith's tormentors, other than her mother, have been identified, especially some that have cut off one of their middle fingers at the Black Mass. Yeah, if there's all these people with missing middle fingers, where are they? He also notes that during the alleged 81-day ritual, Michelle was confirmed to be attended, attending school with no remarkable absence and no apparent signs that she was being abused. Colhane also noted that several many uh, of Smith's recovered memories appeared to have reflected elements of popular culture at the time, the exorcist, so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah, that's what, that, and and that's what you were saying. Own, that was your point. Yeah. The exorcist, Rosemary's baby... And pastor's own religious beliefs and experiences from when he was living and working in Africa in the early 1960s. That part was hard to read too, because that was almost that was kind of racist, really, uh, when he was talking about that. I, I didn't. But I, didn't, Cole, I didn't view that as racist. I know that's what the chick said in her blog, but yeah, I, I kind of saw it a little bit like that. I didn't, view but it as not racist. not extremely racist. But yeah, you know, he's kind of going with the whole savage thing. He definitely doesn't understand it as well. Uh, finally, Colhane hypothesized that Smith's motivation for making the allegations may have come from her desire to spend time with Pazder. Although both were initially married to other people, they divorced sp their spouses and remarried each other after the publication of the book, which is interesting. So, um, yeah, the skepticism appears warranted by the fact that some of these memories involve Michelle's encounters with supernatural beings. And despite the lack of evidence and inconsistencies surrounding the allegations made in Michelle remembers, there are still people who believe that Smith's claims of abuse are the literal truth, and that there is a vast yet secretive worldwide conspiracy of intergenerational satanic worshippers abusing and murdering children's and children and adults. And yeah, there's still people out there who believe this, and they're also going to go as far to say like, well, the reason why you can't find any proof is because. They're 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 so super, super smart, you know. They they burn the bodies and they put them in concrete and they throw them in the lake. You'll never see them. You'll never find it. You know that kind of thing. So it's just convenient. That there's no evidence. Um, so yeah, I can safely say that whatever she was remembering was a bunch of bullshit. Right. I mean, you know. I think there were some genuine emotions she was dealing with in terms of the repressed memory of the car crash, uh, uh, sexual tension, uh, a few other things here and there. And uh, she may believe what what happened happened. That's kind of what happens when you have repressed memories that get brought out during a session, uh, like what you see with some of the alien abduction cases. And so on and I so forth. I think there's a little bit of self-fulfilling prophecy in a lot of these, like, recollections that you, uh, these these regression therapy techniques. I mean, it's like yeah. in Scientology, you know, that when you, when you get audited and they're trying to clear you of all these, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're not only clearing all the bad thetans from this lifetime, but you're going back into past lifetimes. So they have you just close your eyes and say, you know... Well, and you go back to your earliest memory and you say, well, that's about as far back as I go. And they're like, well, no, you know, maybe not. Like, uh, tell me what you see. Oh, I see a barn. Okay, well, you know, and then before you know it, you're in 18th century France and 
you know, well, that's your, your past life. Yeah, it's like, well, really, the, the, um, the human mind is very imaginative. I mean, we're good yeah. at making up shit. I can think, of, I can close my eyes and think of a made up scenario right now, a whole story with characters and everything in it in, in very, very quickly. I'm, I probably could too. Yeah. I mean, most people can't, can do it. I mean, it's, it's, and if you're especially good at doing it, then you can be all that much more convincing. Um, yeah. You know, so. I think a good way to end this would be just to give our thoughts on the book, a uh, little quick run, quick review of the overall quality of it. Yeah. So my impression of the book, my review of the book is, um, like I said, it's a boring book. I, I don't like reading. I'm not a big reader. <laughs> and so when I was tasked with reading this book, I was like, oh, you know, that sucks. I don't really like reading. But there were certain points where I kind of got into it and I was like, okay, you know, I, you know, it was kind of a page turning there for moments. But the, the real moments, the real reason you're here for this book is for all the crazy recollections that she has. And you want to see just how deep <clears throat> this rabbit hole of, of, of satanic craziness goes in these crazy situations. But that interesting uh, gripping content is broken up so often by the most mundane, boring uh, stories about her going to the therapist office and her hanging out with her husband Doug and eating a sandwich and just <laughs> just shit that's just like it just it's padding it, yeah it's padding it breaks it up too much it's um yeah and then there's like the whole thing about it being billed as like you know reality like nonfiction like this shit's real. Um, after learning that is clearly not. So, I mean, if you want to read this, I don't know, man. It's like, if you're going to read a book about, like, evil and Satanism and it's nonfiction or if, and it's fiction, there's probably, I, I'm not no big bookworm, but um, I'm sure there's so many, there's, there's so many better books out there that does what this book is trying to do. Just read Rosemary's Baby or something. Yeah, I mean, there's just really? better stuff out there than this book. Now, if this was like, you know, presenting itself, well, it does present itself, but if this truly was like a documentation that was absolutely provable of something that, some crazy shit that went down in British Columbia, Canada in the 60s or whatever, then yeah, 50s. 50s. Then yeah, this would be an incredible read. And you almost wouldn't mind the shit in between with the therapist and all that because you'd be like, wow, this is so crazy and compelling that, and this really happened. But, you know, no. it's kind of like, uh... and even going into the book with the, ad and my basic attitude was, okay, she's remembering all this shit as a five-year-old girl. So right away, I'm like discounting a lot of the stuff because it's uh -huh. like, you know, kids remember shit weird. They remember shit different. They, uh, okay, perfect story right here, real quick. I remember uh, I was at my great aunt's house, okay? And she was doing the laundry and I thought it would be funny to throw myself into the washing machine which I did, and it made a really loud, you know, thunk sound. And then I just thought it would be funny to say, you hit me, Aunt Nola, you hit me. You did that to me. And she, like, 
freaked the fuck out on me. And now I know why. But as a kid, I didn't know why she was getting so angry. She's like, I did not hit you. I did not do that. You better not be saying that. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, why is she so upset? You know, blah, blah, blah. And when my dad got there, she had to explain to my dad how like, uh, yeah, he's kind of saying I hit him, but he's like full of shit because like it didn't. But like, I just thought that was so funny as a kid and like not mm -hmm. understanding anything about the implications of suggesting such a thing. I, you know, I just thought it would be funny to make up a lie about that just to, I don't know. I just, I, I had a dumb kid brain. I just thought it would be funny. I didn't put any other thought into <laughs> yeah. aside from that. And that's kind of like, you know, I don't know. I feel like that kind of ties into a, like some of these situations. Now, a lot of it's very mm -hmm. graphic. I mean, who knows, man? Like for all we know, Michelle and this guy, Lawrence could have gotten together and said, hey, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to write this book. You're going to play along when we do our... The sicker, the, the better. The sicker, the better. When we do our press junkets and our promotions, you're going to play along. You say, yeah, 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 totally. This all happened to me, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to... And like I was saying, the environment was was ripe for that because of the success of books like The Amityville Horror. Right. So who the fuck knows at the end of the day? I mean... I, I'm not going to sit here and say every single thing that happened to her was a lie, but I'm also not but I'm also not going to sit here and accept for one fucking second that she was trapped in a paper mache Satan with a pool of blood at the bottom. And, and, and I'm, I'm expected <laughs> to believe that. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, it's exactly. like if I was if I was treating this book like how people treat the Bible, where you have to believe every single thing in the Bible uh -huh. for it to be true. If you de if you deny even one thing in the Bible, then you don't believe in the Bible. If that's how if, if I'm using the same rubric on this, then uh, I don't believe Michelle remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't believe it either. Um, I'll give a really lightning quick uh, a review of this. I didn't think it it outright sucked. But I definitely thought it was a below average read uh, for a lot of the main things uh, that you were talking about, the structure of it with the transcripts and so on and so forth. It's just awkward and it, it really loses you and it's just not easy to read a book structured like this. It's just really fractured and frustrating. And the book also lacks a real antagonist. Yes, you have Satan and these cultists, but... They don't really have any clear goals, it seems like. There's this kind of amorphous, and there's nothing really to these cultists and to even Satan that really latches on to you as a reader, uh, other than, oh, they're evil. Okay, I get it. They're evil. But is there more to them than this? It, it almost seems like they're cartoonishly evil at times. Uh, and... Like the like the blog lady was saying, like stupid evil. Like really, that's a good way to put it. Also, there's just a lot of there's just too much padding. There's so much padding, not only with the transcript stuff, but some of the other things that are mentioned with Michelle and her life and the doctor and his life, and he's on vacation with his wife and getting calls from Michelle and blah 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 blah. And that's a whole bunch of I don't give a shit. And the the vivid imagery that's there it's it's few and far between so there there'll be a, a chapter or two where you have like a creepy image or two and some fucked up weird shit 
And then then there'll be chapters that don't have enough that really keep your interest. And then there'll be other chapters where they have something that has potential, but they don't go that far with it and just briefly mention it and then move on to something else. And I also feel the impact of the horrible events are lessened because of how often they repeat things. When you constantly throw out dead cats and, and babies and, and, and all this other shit and murder and you're just overkilling it, it loses its impact. It's no longer as scary or as terrifying. It becomes ridiculous and uh, hard to take seriously. And that's a per perfect way to uh, describe the entire book, if you ask me. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on Michelle Remembers. The book that started it all. I really would be curious if this book, like, if it really was something that, like, definitively I, I, did start I mean, the satanic panic. I would say, I mean, there, there might have been some uh, people who were talking about satanic ritual abuse beforehand, like the psychiatrists were talking about, but it was like an underground thing. But in terms of the general populace, in terms of popular culture, absolutely. Because if you look at anything before this, there really wasn't anything like that. Even though you had the exorcist and Rosemary's baby, none of them created the hysteria that this book I'd say did. the exorcist got pretty damn close. Not really. Not outside of, of uh, movie theaters. Yeah. Uh, the exorcist just made people uh, who saw it turn back to the church, but never really like buying 100% into the whole demon possession thing or satanic ritual abuse for instance and if you ask me uh the satanic ritual abuse uh epidemic that happened or or, or supposedly happened uh after this book was came out uh the allegations the numbers of false allegations the the allegations that ruined people's lives that destroyed people that's the biggest abuse of all in my eyes yeah well, I think Damien Eccles, uh, uh, fucking, uh, Jesse, Miss Kelly, and, um, who's the other one? Those three, West Memphis Three, I think, is one of the, one yeah. of the, uh, the, that, that's one of the worst things that came from this uh -huh. book. As, you know, thing, so, things like this book, you know. Mm hmm So... I don't have anything to say. I'm in a hurry. I, I got to be working like five minutes. So, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> fuck. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> if you like, you can check us out on YouTube. Mike is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He reviews movies. I am dancing with youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. I do video game videos, music videos, TV videos, all the videos in the world. Until next week, I hope you have a good rest of your day and or night. Please stick around for after the podcast and I will read chapter 35. But until then, have a good rest of your day or night. Goodbye. See ya. What's up, everybody? Just want to remind everyone that my album, The Nightmare Inside You, is still up for sale. And we have new band t-shirts as well. All of this is in the description of this podcast. So check it out. And if you dig the music, maybe consider supporting me. Now enjoy some more of the album.
right, guys, it is book time with Josh Cannon. Hope everyone's excited. Figure uh, some of you diehards uh, or people who are just interested in the story, you might want to know how the book ends. So right straight from the book, I'm going to do some uh, some uh, audiobook reading here by Josh Cannon. Should I add some random like bell chiming and wind blowing and all that other stupid shit that people normally put in podcasts? Does it bother you guys that we've never done that, by the way? Like, I just, I don't know. I just think, uh, I think it's kind of corny. I mean, I hate to pass judgment because, like, every podcast pretty much does that. But, uh, I don't know. Like, whenever I listen to a podcast, I'm kind of there just for the content. I don't really care about all the, like, background noise and stuff. A lot of times it can be distracting. But I think our stupidity is probably the most distracting thing about this podcast. Anyway. Chapter 35 of Michelle Remembers. It's pretty short. Let's do this. <clears throat> they were back at the office a few hours sleep. After a few... I've already fucked the first sentence up. They were back at the office after a few hours sleep. It was November 27th, the first Sunday of Advent. The last movable feast of the liturgical year. Uh, and see, this book is like littered with, with sentences like that that just make you go, ugh, there's big words and things I don't know. Anyway... And as she had for the past week or so, Michelle was resisting going back to that place. In the early evening, Dr. Pazder dictated another progress report on the tape recorder. We have been trying to work for over six hours now without success. The power has failed several times. The wind and rainstorm have come back stronger than ever. It makes it difficult to hear and, re and to record clearly. Michelle is finding it very hard to go back into her memories. She is frustrated and irritable as am I, trying to read this book. It was not that Michelle was not trying to work, she just could not seem to get herself to take that plunge. But, at 10.45, she shut her eyes and descended. All I have to do is hang on... All, all I have to hang, hang on to is a bone, the child said, almost under her breath. Dr. Pazder could hardly hear her. When things hurt you, you get grouchy. My bones have been hurting for a long time. I'm just not in a very good mood. I feel bad now. She whispered to him across the, uh, the years. Because here comes a person I really care about, and, I, and I'm grouchy. I don't like people seeing me grouchy, and I'm all a mess. She looks sad. I guess she's really disappointed with me. I'm scared. Are you mad at me? The child asked. No, ma petite came the soft voice. Well, I'm not very happy, the child grumbled. I'm a mess. Where were you? Why didn't you come back sooner? I wanted to, ma petite. Ma Marie responded gently. I came as soon as I could. Okay, so apparently I didn't know who was saying these sentences, so I just gave M Mother Mary a Cajun accent. So that's the fucking accent she's going to have for the rest of this time. Well, I don't understand, the little girl was indignant. I'm tired and I'm sick and I'm hurt and I'm not going to look at anything anymore. Nothing matters, she shouted. If I had come any sooner, Ma Marie told her, he would have hurt you more. How? How? The child shouted. I'm a mess. I'm never going to be the same again. No, you probably won't, Ma Marie agreed sadly. She smiled at the child and asked, Do you have something for me? Uh-huh came the grudging reply. Oh, wait, that wasn't very, very grudging. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that was more begrudging. Dr. Pazder uh, watched Michelle stretch out her hand and open it. There, she said. You better take good care of it. I haven't got anything else. She started crying, and so did Ma Marie. Why are you crying? The little, ooh, wait. So that's not Ma Marie, that's Michelle. Why are you crying? The little girl asked. Please don't cry. I don't want you to cry. You're making me cry, and I don't want to cry. And then the tears came. Are you mad at me? Ma Marie asked quietly. The child struggled to master her voice. I don't think I'm mad at you. I just feel mad. I'm grouchy. But you gave me the bone, Ma Marie said. I know you hung on to it. Was I supposed to? I didn't even know if I was supposed to. I didn't know. You did exactly the right thing. I thought you'd be mad at me. I wasn't supposed to be like a dog, but I buried the bone just like a dog. That's where it should be, Mamari told her. It's much better there. I saw, the child said. Didn't I? Didn't I see right? Or did I do the wrong thing? I'm all mixed up. You did exactly the right thing. But now I'm a mess. I'm mixed up. I've got hair falling out. I'm all broken. Hair grows back, Ma Marie assured her. And we can fix bones that hurt. <laughs> all these talks about bones are making me excited. Um, but what about inside? The distraught child cried. I'm a mess inside, and I know I am. I'm too scared. You see what I mean about the, the, the repetition? How many times has this bitch said, I'm a mess, I'm all mixed up, I'm not happy, I'm grouchy, in just the short time I'm reading this? This is the whole fucking book, folks. It is repetition, repetition, repetition of her saying the same exact shit. And maybe that doesn't bother you, but it really fucking bothers me because, like, I get it. You're messed up. Move on to your next point. I don't have the time to read five or six more pages of this. Let's continue. Ma Marie looked at her tenderly and said, The scars on the outside will help you when you can hear someone. Hear what? She did not understand at all. Be careful when you start to listen. Always follow what you hear. And she touched her heart. Everybody needs to cry, but not alone. Don't cry about this alone. Be careful. I don't want you to get lost. I understand. We'll put everything that you've seen and heard, we'll put it in a safe place. We'll keep it safe. How will the ears know where it is? Okay, that sentence makes a lot of sense. There is a special time and a special place when all things you have seen and heard, you will remember them. Exactly. I don't want to. I want to forget them. Shh. Shh. I know you do. We would all like to forget about them. Does our father know about the that bad man is doing with all the little bones and stuff? The child asked. He knows. Then why did I have to? She asked in bewilderment. Ma Marie rocked her gently in her arms. Children hear best from other children, she explained. How will I know what to do? You must find a way, but you must be careful. The people here will not like it when you can speak. They will like it less when you walk. You will find it hard. Uh, you will find a hand. Hold on tight. Why can't you stay with me? The child cried. Shh. You are so afraid inside you are not hearing everything that I am saying. 
If I am, if I, if you, fuck, I'm a little drunk right now, apparently. If you start going too fast or too slow, you may not get where you need to be at the right time. But we've run out of time, the child worried. No, Ma Marie said confidently. We have just enough time. Got time to talk about mouses? Wait, that was supposed to be Michelle's voice. Got time to talk about mouses? Michelle was trying to stretch out the conversation so Ma Marie would not leave. Got time to talk about mouses, Ma Marie said lovingly. They got whiskers, you know, the little girl informed her, did the wrong voice again. They like to eat cheese. They got all the funny little noses that go sniff, sniff. And Michelle wrinkled her nose and sniffed. They got really big ears and they like to sleep in little holes. Ma Marie smiled. You don't have to sleep in a hole. She picked up the corner of a blue scarf that covered her head and touched it to her tongue and began cleaning Michelle off in the age-old way of mothers. Ugh, my mom always used to do that. It was really gross. I'm not a baby, Michelle protested. I know, Ma Marie smiled down at her. But I'll clean you off like... I'll clean you off a little. I like to hold you. Okay, now it's getting a little creepy. If you want to, I guess it's all right. Michelle's crankiness was a thing of the past. She was delighting in Ma Marie's warmth and tenderness. Michelle sighed happily. You smell good, she said. Will I ever smell good again? Ma Marie held her a little closer. You never smelled bad. The woman and the child were silent. Michelle was feeling better. The pain was ebbing. Her head felt clear again. She closed her eyes and pressed her cheek against Ma Marie's shoulder. Michelle felt safe at last. What will happen to my air hair? She asked sleepily. It will grow black. Grow black? It will grow back. Once you grow black, you never grow back. It doesn't feel like it will ever be the same, she worried. I'm awful scared. I know. Are you scared too? I get scared, Ma Marie said. I get scared when it hurts. What will I do when I get home? You will start to see and start to hear. You won't do make-believe. You will make a bed that's good and safe. You won't see much of your mother. There's a special place where everyone feels at home. Watch where you go and keep track of the time. All of what has happened will count. You will not forget anything. Ma Marie was holding Michelle as she spoke. Once you have told what you have seen and heard, they won't forget. And you will tell more ears that hear. Ma Marie was solemn. Don't forget what I have told you. You know who that one is. You know how he thinks. You know the way he works. If you will forget, even if you don't want to, you can lose the way. I don't understand, Michelle whimpered. Then she took a deep breath and in a steadier voice said, I have to stop saying that, don't I? It's all right. What about the bone? Michelle asked. I will put it back. I know where it belongs. If you had not taken the bone, things might have gotten much worse. You see, I could not come and pull you out. It is not the way things work. He denied that you exist. He had to put you out of his sight. He could not keep you in the darkness, but it also caught him a little off guard when you took the bone. <laughs> he said many things that he does not usually say out loud, but now you've heard them. I don't like everything always being so serious, the little girl sighed. It is a serious time. Michelle felt safe and she felt quiet. The pain was going away. Ma Marie was loving and comforting her. You will feel as if you've been asleep. 
You will have time to heal, Ma Marie promised. You will feel funny at first. It will be hard to think completely straight. But you will have help. I don't want you to be afraid. But I cannot say that it is going to be all right now. Not right away. Michelle reverted to an earlier worry. I don't want to go live with my mom. You can live with her, Ma Marie said calmly. You don't have to be what she is. I want your son to come back. I didn't say thank you. He will, Ma Marie said. And I'll be there. Remember. The years that the evil one mentioned and the numbers, they are important to understand, but be careful. He may be around when you remember me. I know you're frightened now, but you are going the right way. And in just the right time, you will see. As much as you have counted on me, I count on you. Will it get better? The child sobbed. There's a much better chance now, she paused. Michelle, your mother is coming to take you. Michelle looked up. Her mother was walking across the room. It was empty. All the people had gone. I don't want to go, Michelle cried. I kept my promise. You kept it well. I'll keep it. I know you will. Michelle felt calm. She was not frightened anymore. Do you feel better? It was that soft, warm voice again. I don't feel as scared, she told him. I tried as hard as I could. I'm sorry I ended up being such a mess. How will I ever remember all this by myself? You will have help. You mean the ears? They will be much more than ears. What will, be the ear what will the ears be like? She wanted to know. Like rabbit's ears? No, like my ears. He stroked her cheek. The feeling went way inside the child. Her breathing became deep and regular. You don't mind answering questions? She asked. I love to answer questions. I like to talk. But how will I know what to say? That is why you need two. It is easier to know what to say then. You have learned what's right. Don't quit talking. When you've got that, and he touched her heart, you can knock on anyone's door and they will have to answer. What if they don't? Sometimes you will knock again. Sometimes you will find a new door. I probably shouldn't say this, but you know something? I know that you are her son, because you keep saying you'll know, just like her. I don't mind. But it's really hard with so many you'll knows, he chuckled. Thank you. Thank you for the bone, she said. I'm glad you came back so I could say thank you. She stopped and her lips began to tremble. Are you going to go? Can I talk to you again? You'll be safe in your bed now. And, you'll and you will definitely feel good again. Promise? Everything I say is a promise. I'm so tired. Close your eyes for a while. Think about the bunnies and grass and little lambs. I'd like to lie in the sunshine. I know. Can I hold on tight? He smiled again and squeezed her hand. I don't have any more to say. Hmm? Dr. Pazder startled. That is all there is. Michelle's voice was calm, her tone final. And that was all. The remembering was finished. So, that was that. Well, uh, wow. Oh, man. Am I, am I, did I read that because I really wanted to read it, or did I read that because I'm just putting off working out right now? I tend to do a bunch of extra above and beyond shit when I'm just avoiding working out. So that's basically it. Um, I guess some epilogue here as this book goes to press. 
Michelle is uh, 30 years old. Obviously, she's a lot older now. This is an old book. When she thinks back upon the years following her ordeal, she does not draw upon her depths, but upon her normal memory. And what she remembers is this. She remembers that at first she was sick. She remembers being kept at home, being told she had measles, being kept away from everyone in a darkened room. She recalls that she wouldn't eat and that her mother, perhaps her father too, she can't remember if this was one of the many times she had returned, that he had returned to the family, seemed concerned. At least they gave her anything she actually wanted to eat. At least they gave her anything she actually wanted to eat. Okay, that's a weird sentence. What Michelle wanted was rather limited, just salad, tomato soup, vegetables, and ice cream. Uh, it was all she ate for a long time, maybe months. Eventually, she was allowed to start school. She knows she started school late. The other children were somewhat ahead of her, and for a while, she felt left behind. Had anyone noticed Michelle's absence from everyday life during her time in the round room? She does not know. Did anyone question her about it after her return? She cannot remember that anyone did. Did she ever again see any of the Satanists at home or in the company of her mother? She has no idea. Since Michelle, as a child, had no memory of the horrible things that had been done to her in 1954 and 1955, she had no reason to be aware of such people. Nor did she have any reason to resent her mother. In fact, she realized as an adult that she had actually idealized her mother, denying her shortcomings. Yet, as Dr. Gillespie recalled, her mother had found it difficult to cope. Michelle stepped in and took over much of the responsibility for running the household, the sewing, the cooking. She enjoyed it, and beyond that, she was pleased that she was helping to hold the family together. Uh, what was good in her life, she cherished. What was not, she endured. Jessica Harding died in 1963, which is her mom. For Michelle, it was a turning point. Her life was totally changed. Uh, her father abandoned her forever, giving her custody to her grandparents, but within a year, all her grandparents were dead. Um, she was her, on her own, dependent on her own resources. In the early therapy, Michelle worked through the emotional turmoil resulting from her difficult family life. And then in 1976, when the reliving began, uh, she was obliged to confront the underlying heartbreaking reality. During her psychiatric sessions, she attempted to set down on paper her feelings about the past. Um, yeah, and I mean, it just kind of goes on and on, whatever. So that's kind of the epilogue. So anyway, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that. So uh, see ya.